This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. Mindsetters, welcome back to another incredible episode. Just finished up a phenomenal interview with Leah Gervais, and this was a top-notch episode. We dive really deep into the mindset of going off on your own, of getting started, of growing a business, and doing some of the really tough things that happen when you're just getting started. And we talk about some of the mindset to really keep that going. So no matter what level you're at of going out and building your business, of building your real estate investing business, of going out onto your own, this is going to be a valuable episode for you. I promise you that. So before we jump into things, I want to encourage you guys, if you're just catching us, if you're just joining us, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. Hit the notification bell if you're listening on YouTube. And that if you love what we're doing, I really encourage you to drop us a five-star review. Help give us a little bit of support so we can reach even more people with this phenomenal message of inspiring others to live a better life every day. Let's jump into it. Got something amazing to share with you. Of course, all of you guys know the Mindset Members Club is live and we have an incredible community of phenomenal real estate investors of varying levels from people who are just getting started to people who have been flipping, wholesaling, multifamily, doing big deals, making big money, who are in this community because they want to really take their life to the whole nother level. You know, majority of our members, the reason that they're joining is because they want to go from point A to point B as quickly as possible. They want to compress decades into days. They want to learn from other people's experience. But most importantly, they want to take action. They want to start applying the things that they're learning on this podcast right here and so many other places where they're learning all this material, but they're not actually putting anything into practice. And the most important part about education is actually applying it. You know, going out and reading a book, but not applying anything in your life is a waste of time. And I straight up encourage you to stop listening to podcasts if you're not ready to actually start acting. You know, that's a challenge. Maybe I'm going to lose some listeners, but what I promise you is I'm going to attract the kind of people who I want to spend more time with, the kind of people who are ready to step up their game and join the Mindset Members Club. But most importantly, the kind of people who are ready to take action. You know, that's what this group is all about. It's about learning with other incredible people, spending time networking in a phenomenal community, building accountability, but most importantly, it's about taking action and applying. And we've set up the curriculum in such a way that people are actually doing the work, right? And it's such a big thing. If you've ever thought, hey, I know what to do, but for some reason I'm not doing it, or I'm making some pretty good money, but I want to take it to another level, then I encourage you to join us. You know, of course, in the Mindset Members Club, we have an incredible coach, Trevor McGregor, former Tony Robbins, platinum master coach, over 25,000 hours of coaching experience, coaching millionaires and billionaires, Fortune 500 CEOs, and some of the top real estate brass you know, in our industry. Of course, you get to spend time with me, real estate investor, entrepreneur, mindset expert. I have you know, bought and flipped over 200 houses in the last three years, wholesaled, and have built an incredible team 
And I'm an absolute expert when it comes to going out and figuring out how to find deals and how to get you to actually start taking action and doing the things that are most important. So regardless of where you're at in your real estate journey, and I encourage you to head over to the investormindset.com slash members and consider joining the Mindset Members Club because we are ready to take action and we are looking for more people who are ready to step it up together. So I look forward to seeing you guys in there. All right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I am so excited. I have Leah Gervais in the studio. How are you doing, Leah? I'm good. How are you? I am doing phenomenal. And Leah is the host of Your Biggest Vision and founder of Urban 20-something. And she works with ambitious, budding entrepreneurs all over the world, helping them monetize their existing passions and experience and packaging that up into transformational products and services that people can do from anywhere. But what's most important, what's below the surface on all the marketing and business work that she does is mindset. And she's had some big breakthroughs for herself and we're gonna dive into some of those. You know, obviously you're doing some really cool things. You're helping people get to the life that they wanna live, which I think is so amazing. But why don't we start out by taking a look back earlier in your life. What events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? So I do live in the very loud New York City now, but I am originally from Colorado, which is I know where you are now. And I feel like I sort of have one of those mixed entrepreneurial childhoods. You know, I wasn't like starting a lemonade stand when I was five and like, (laughs) I don't have one of those (laughs) hardcore childhoods where you just knew that I, that I was going to be an entrepreneur because I was always selling things. But looking back, I do think personality-wise, what I'm doing now is not a surprise to anyone who, who knew me when I was younger. And what I mean by that is I just had a very clear vision of what I wanted my life to turn out to be. I think we all do when you're younger, and then either you grow out of it or society influences you differently or people you meet along the way influence you differently or your parents influence you differently. And I wasn't immune to any of that, but I just sort of didn't grow out of mine. So I've known that I wanted to live in New York City since the first time I came when I was six or something. And I wanted to have a big life here. I wanted to have a big career here. I didn't know what any of that meant, but it was just, it was very clear in my mind's eye. And so I think that that's where people aren't surprised what I'm doing now. I wanted to come to New York so badly. And I remember when I was 13, what I asked for for my birthday was for my dad to buy like this kind of, I don't know how he did it, but like this wallpaper mural of the New York skyline and put it in my Mm. room. So I could like go to bed, do it every night. And I even wanted to paint my room black, the rest of it, and then put little stars in it. So I like felt like I was in the city and my mom's like, we'll get you the mural, but you're not painting your room black at 13 years old. (laughs) That's not psychologically helpful. But The point is, I always say that was my first vision board because I just like really saw myself in New York before I knew what the heck a vision board was. Now it's very similar to the view that I have out my window. So simply put, to answer your question, I grew up in Colorado. I had an entrepreneurial personality, but I did not know that I was going to be an entrepreneur or start my own business or anything like that. I just had a very clear vision for what I wanted my life to be like. And where I am now is kind of a result of fighting for that vision, even when I didn't really know how to get there or what it would look like or anything else like that. It's so incredible how at such a young age, you had developed this vision and now you're living it. And so it's just such a good example of that when you believe in something, when you get really clear on it, you can make it happen versus the opposite. But tell me, where do you think that came from at 13, from just such a young age that you were thinking, I've got to live this life. I've got to be in New York. I've got to go after it. I think a lot of it came from my parents. My dad was an entrepreneur and I obviously looked up to him a lot and he just was a big dreamer. 
And he had a very different vision for his life than I did. He was from New England and all he wanted in his whole life was to get to the mountains of Colorado (laughs) and ski and be in like the blue skies, which is so different from New England. And it's ironic that my dream was to move back east. But Mm -hmm. he kind of went about it the same way. He really just knew the kind of life he wanted and really went after that. So I think I got the personality traits from him. But then on top of that, I am a believer that we all sort of do have I don't know if divine assignment is kind of too big of a word or something like that, but I think we all do have these passions that we're born with and these visions that we're born with. And I think one of the jobs we have as humans, and it can kind of be the hardest work in the world, but is to hold on to that even when all these obstacles are thrown at us. So I actually don't know if my story is all that unique. I think a lot of people do have these visions. I just am grateful that I had the tools and the right people in my life and I guess some of my inherent personality to, to not let it go. Well, you know, maybe everybody has a little bit of a vision that they've had for themselves, a picture, but you're going out and doing things at a different level than most people. So I, I really hope our listeners will really cue in to some of these ways of thinking that you have because they're really, really powerful. So tell us a little bit more about what it is that you do on you know the business front and how you kind of got into that space, because I know the formation story of kind of getting there is one that is pretty inspiring. Oh, well, thank you. So as I said, my dream my whole life was to come to New York City. And so I went to NYU. And while I was in NYU, I thought that I was going to finish NYU and go to law school. It seemed like the very New York expensive, powerful thing to do at the time. But I also did want to be a lawyer. I wasn't just doing it because I thought I should have. I thought I would be a good lawyer. I still think that parts of me would have been a good lawyer, but that was my plan. And I was very excited about it. And I graduated from NYU and started working as a paralegal. I decided to take a year or two in between law school, which I definitely recommend for everyone and make sure that it was right for me before I just went in and and did the LSATs. So I started working as a paralegal here in Manhattan on 42nd Street, and I worked at a great law firm. I worked at a real estate law firm, and I learned so, so much. And I think over the two years working there, as I was taking the LSATs, as I was applying, something in me was just feeling like it wasn't an alignment with that vision. And I really ignored it, honestly, for a lot of it, just because at that point, I felt like I was so far in, which now sounds overdramatic. I mean, I was like 23. (laughs) But at the time, I felt like I had dedicated my whole undergraduate degree to this path. I was working at a law firm. I was taking the LSATs. I was dating, now married to a lawyer. Like It just all felt like it was on a good path. So I was too kind of afraid to question how this might not be fitting in with my bigger vision. But I, I started having kind of those gut gnawings at me. And it wasn't until I had gotten into law schools And I had been working there for two years and I had to decide which law school I was going to go to. I had to give my notice. There was like a deadline and I had to tell, it was in the spring of 2016 and I had to tell which one that I was going to be attending in the fall. And I just woke up on that morning and I'm not a procrastinator. So it's unlike me to have put off that decision for so long, but I just couldn't decide. And I woke up on the morning on the deadline and I just clear as day knew in my gut, your answer is going to be none of them. It's not going to be which one, it's going to be none. And I didn't know what that meant. And it was very scary. But my mom actually asked me a very powerful question, which helped clarify this for me. And she said, because also, I just want to pause and say, part of what made me feel like I could justify this was feeling like, oh, I had this big dream for my life in New York. Am I really going to go into six figures of debt, three more years of graduate school, graduate to be a lawyer, 
working 80, 100 hours a week, maybe not even getting a job, like nothing about this is guaranteed. And I just started realizing that there were a lot of what ifs I was expecting. I was expecting to get a good scholarship. I was expecting to get a good job after. I was expecting to do well in law school. And if those what ifs didn't happen, I wasn't so okay with it. I wasn't okay to take those risks. But even then, something in me thought, if you try something on your own, and I had no idea what that meant. I had never started a business. I didn't have the vision for my business. But I just thought, even if I start and that fails or something else ends up needing to happen, I'm more okay with those failures than I am with going to law school and it not going the way that I kind of have paid. Like that would be the only way I'd be happy with it. So that was a very powerful realization for me because it made me realize that I was way more excited about the other possibilities than I was about this path. And then to top that off, my mom said, well, what if money wasn't an issue at all? What if we, you know, just hypothetically, what if we could get this all paid for and you wouldn't have any debt? Would you be excited to enroll? And I still said no. And so it was just like such a clear, no, this is not for me. Yeah. So I started then my blog, which was my now business was started as a blog and it's called Urban 20 something because it was meant to document my quest as a 20 something in New York to find out what the heck I was going to do with my life. And at the time I felt very alone. I felt like everyone, like I said, that I knew was in the legal field. I was dating a lawyer. I felt like he had it all together. You know, he had already graduated from law school and I was like just more lost than ever. Now it might sound silly, but even my friends that I graduated from NYU with, they were all doing things related to their majors. I just felt like I had kind of gone back to being 18 years old, but I still had that vision and I wasn't ready to give up on it. So I decided to start a blog and document and share my journey to try to find out what the heck else I was going to do. If this meant switching career fields, if it meant going back to school, if it meant leaving New York, if it like, I had no idea what was in store for me, but I did not think I was alone, even though I felt alone. So I wanted to start a blog to try to find other people that were in my shoes. And I also wanted to, you know, try to give other people permission to question the path that they're on, no matter how perfectly paved it might feel at the time. So that's how it started. And what a powerful thing, the idea of community, of going out and finding other people who are thinking like you think, who are looking for the life that you're looking for and being able to connect with them and learn and share experience and mastermind. And I have found, and I know that you're big on this as well, that the power of masterminds, the power of being in a group coaching or some kind of environment where people have the same end goals, where people are thinking about the same things can really help propel you forward because somebody's already further down the path than you are, someone's behind you, someone's in the middle, and maybe there's someone up there leading, giving some advice and mentoring along the way. So it's incredible that you were able to create that for yourself. I know I've kind of done a little bit of the same. No, oh, well, thank you. And I totally agree. And to your point, that's why my entire business structure to this day is around group programs because it brings that power of community together with the power of a mentor. I think what's so great about that dynamic is oftentimes the mentor is only a little bit ahead of you, which I know at first might sound like, well, don't you want someone who's like 10 or 15 years ahead of you? Not always because they don't always know what you just went through. So I've really structured my whole business around that because I would not be at all where I am today if I hadn't seen the power of it. That's amazing. So talk to me a little bit about what are some of the biggest challenges you see young entrepreneurs, budding entrepreneurs, people who are ready to jump into something fully, but maybe are working a traditional W-2. What are some of the biggest challenges you see people face and how do you recommend that they overcome some of those? 
they all come down to changing your mindset. And I think what we don't realize when you're trying to get out of a nine to five job, when you're trying to go out on your own, I, what I didn't realize, and I wish I would have is how much we as a society compare everything to the structure of a nine to five job as if it's what we as humans are meant to do. And it's not, it's not that there's anything bad about it, but there's so much that we assume needs to happen in our life because that's how nine to five structures are that aren't true at all. And often we don't have the awareness to question it. Things like, do you really need to get paid every two weeks? Of course not. You can get paid a hell of a lot more than that, or you can get paid less and you'll still be fine. Do you really need to worry that your health insurance won't be paid for by your job? Again, of course not. You can find the money to pay for that on your own easily. And so I think that what really stands in people's way is not just those kind of hangups. You know, I, I get that those are growing pains. I have sympathy for that. I went through that too. And, and I know that they can be very real. But it's not even having the awareness to know how to ask the better questions and how to think instead, why can't this happen? Asking, how could this happen? What would it look like? If I did do this, how would that come to light? And I really think that that's just part of retraining ourselves to think. And that's what we as entrepreneurs need to do. And I know you know this. It really is about completely changing how you think and understanding that a lot of the conditioning that you have is comparing an apple to an orange in terms of lifestyle, goals, finances, investing, things like that. And it can be very, going back to the group thing again, it can be even harder to get out of that mindset when everyone in your life is not in it with you. And they can have the best of intentions for you, your family, your spouse, your kids, your friends, whatever it is. But if they've never been in that frame of mind, they don't know how to support you in that frame of mind. So all this is to say that in the beginning, I think that there's a whole list of hangups and challenges that people come with, but they all kind of boil down to that point. I'm hosting right now a six-week intensive for side hustlers. And this is kind of like the most entry-level program that I have. Usually I work with people that are full-time and you know in the six-figure range, but I love doing this. And, and every time I feel like it reminds me of how utterly scary it is in the beginning and, and seeing some of what they're going through. And, you know, it's truly incredible how fear can mask itself in so many different ways. Things like I need to be an expert or I can't start a business in something I'm not an expert in because, because that's what you think you need to do. And of course, when we pull back the layers, that is a fear-based thought. That is really you thinking, I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. I am not ready. You're waiting for some permission slip from the divine to come give you in order to move forward, which doesn't exist. So, you know, that's a big one. Another one is I'm not ready to start this financially. I'm not ready to invest in it. I feel like I should be able to do this for free. I don't think that this is a good time for me. And on the surface, that sounds very responsible. But when you peel it back, that's just a fear of you not being able to come through for yourself. Because if you know, like you know, that you're going to be able to make it back, which is what you need to be able to do to take risks, then the investments are a drop in the bucket. So I think the best thing you can do early on might sound counterproductive, especially if you are a fan of some of these like hustler podcasts where it's all about like working 25 hours a day. And, and I love that. Like I am not anti-hustle at all, but becoming intimately connected with your unique fears and understanding them. You don't need to get rid of them. You don't need to battle them. You don't need to be bigger than them. You just need to understand what they are so that they're not holding you back. I didn't do that at first. I didn't do that for probably two years in or maybe a year in. And then I did that only for about a year. I became very, very obsessed almost with learning what fear is, how it shows up, how my fear shows up, what it means, how to move past it, how to move forward with it. And that was the year that my business really took off and became 
the foundation for what it is today. So it's no coincidence, but we often think that in the beginning, it's all about execution and you do need execution, but you also need the mindset. It's so true. And it's so powerful because fear is one of those things that it's, it's that big anchor. It's that anchor that just gets set deep down in the ground and we can't move forward. If we're, if we don't, aren't aware that it's there, we can't figure out how are we going to work around it? How are we going to overcome it? So on that note, if you're working with a client and pretend that I'm a client, what are you going to ask me or what are you going to encourage people to ask themselves to start getting acquainted with what that fear is and what it means to them? Well, I think the first thing you can do, and, and for those of you listening, you can almost coach yourself on this in this way if you really, <laughs> it might take a little bit to practice, but just look at an area of your life or your business where things aren't going the way you want. So let's take, for example, this is something I hear a lot. I don't have enough clients. You know, you want to have 10 clients in a month or something like that, and you don't have that. So then you have to ask yourself, okay, well, why do I think that is? And a lot of times things will come up like, well, no one's answering my emails or I'm not booking enough discovery calls or no one's answering me on social media. And, you know, it can be very, very easy to fall into these victim excuses. And that's not a judgment statement. I do this too. It is what it is. But that's usually our default is like why whatever we're doing isn't working or why it's not our fault that we aren't in the situation we want to be in. And so then I want you to ask yourself, well, what would it look like if you doubled down on your efforts to achieve said goal or said desire that you're trying to get in your life? So you could ask yourself things like, well, what if I emailed 50 people today and told them about what I'm selling? What if I cold called people? What if I got on Eventbrite and put up an event and tried to host it in the city that I live in and try to meet people that way? What if I find a new event I could go to this week that's totally random? And when we start saying these things, palms get sweaty, things start start to come up and you're sort of like, ah, you know, I I don't really know if I want to do that. That's your fear. And so you have to ask yourself, why don't you want to do that? And again, this isn't about judgment. This isn't about thinking that you're not good enough at sales or you're not outgoing enough. I'm not implying any of that. But what I want this to bring awareness to is where you're stopping because wherever you're stopping is where your ego is winning. And so you have to ask yourself, is my ego, my business partner, in my pursuits? Is my ego what is stopping me from doing 100 cold calls because I'm afraid of what people will think about me? That doesn't actually hurt your esteem. That doesn't actually hurt your business. That doesn't actually hurt your finances at all. It only hurts your ego. And look, I'm not like saying that anyone should get off of this and do make 100 cold calls. I have a multi-six-figure business and I have never done 100 cold calls, so it certainly can be done without it. But my point here is you need to be more interested in finding the truth than in being right. And when you look at it through the lens of truth, through the lens of without judgment, you will start to pull back things and see where your fear is, what is stopping you. Such a powerful thing, looking to figure out what is true versus working to try to confirm that you're right. 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 And think about that. Like if you want to be right, we all want to be right. But if you're using the example I just said, where you're right that no one's emailing you back, you're right that no one likes your social media posts, you're right that no one wants to get on the phone with you. Well, what business are you building then? Why would you want to be right about that? (laughs) Wouldn't you rather be wrong about that or find the truth around how to make that, you know, not your reality? I would. 
I hope that you guys are getting a lot from this interview. Just have to take a quick break to let you guys know that if you're getting a lot from the podcast, if you're getting a lot from this episode, then I encourage you guys to jump over to the website and join us as we've got a really cool masterclass that's gonna help you guys go deeper to start really understanding and applying some of these key tenants, some of these key values of holding the investor mindset, of really living with an investor mindset. And so I encourage you guys to head over to theinvestormindset.com slash values, theinvestormindset.com slash values, and join us for this free gift. We've put together a masterclass series that is really powerful. It's going to help you guys get from where you are to where you want to go a little bit faster. And I promise you, you're going to see a lot of value. So let's get back to the episode. Where do you see from your experience with all of your clients, the people that are in your community, where do you see one of the biggest places that they fail when they're first getting started, kind of making that leap? Or where do they fail after they've kind of been on the path for a little while? I think in the beginning, the biggest roadblock is finances. The biggest roadblock is knowing how to invest. And I have a lot of compassion for that. I remember putting the first big investment for my business, which was like a Facebook ads mastermind for a year program. And it was terrifying because I was working at a nonprofit in New York. I did not have the thousands of dollars that it was. I didn't know if my business was going to make it back. I had never had credit card debt in my life. It went against everything that I had been taught. And in fact, it even went against everything that I was proud of. And what happens here is we have a conflict of values. And that's where people really get freaked out is when their values are conflicting. So I valued financial health. I valued not having debt. I had a lot of things that I liked about the way that I was showing up. But eventually, and I kind of wish I had woken up sooner to say, I can like how I've been doing things as much as I want. I can like these values as much as I want. And I'm going to say exactly where I am if I keep doing them. And you know that's when you have to start prioritizing your values and thinking, yes, I value not having credit card debt, but I value my life, my career, my potential, my happiness, my freedom, so much more. And you know, now I can say I didn't sacrifice that value. You get out of debt. <laughs> like it's an investment. It's meant for you to make it back. It's not meant to put you in a hole for forever, but it's very scary in that moment. So I think in the beginning, it's trying to understand that investing in your business is investing in your business. It's not equivalent to things you spend your paycheck on or a night out or a vacation. Or like I sometimes I hear people say things like, oh, I can't invest in my business because I'm in a wedding this summer or I can't invest in my business because... I'm redoing my kitchen or whatever. And it's just like, these are so different things. <laughs> like these could not be more opposite. So I think that that is the biggest hurdle to get over is learning that it does take investment. It should. I know that it's really popular and exciting to think about how you can have a really lean business and start up with not a whole lot of money. And I see the benefit in that. But in my eyes, time is the most precious thing we have. And if you can buy more marketing, if you can buy more help, if you can buy more education to get somewhere faster, it's a no-brainer to me. I've never like done business the cheap way or tried to like bargain hunt. So I think that that's the biggest hurdle. And then after that, I think when people kind of get in the middle, it just becomes more mindset heavy than ever. I guess just like every level brings up new questions, as I'm sure you know. You know, of where course, am I going? Yeah. What do I do now? And, and I think the better you get at business the less the stress is there, but more the bigger questions are there and you having to figure out how to answer them. It's such a big idea. And I know my whole life completely changed once I took the leap of actually investing some money in some education. And believe me, I was the biggest proponent of doing it on your own, of figuring it out, of the internet is a vast ocean and right. I can fish all over the whole entire thing. 
But at the end of the day, the truth is that I only grew my business because I invested a massive amount of money in some coaching, in a mastermind, in going to events. Frankly, money I did not have. Right. You know, over 30 or 40 grand on credit cards after spending on marketing and this and that. And sure, I was doing it big and the returns I knew were going to come because I had saw other people who were doing it really well. I modeled exactly what they were doing. I was starting to see a little bit of the results that were going to come. And so by the time I was really spending that money, other than on the mastermind and the education I already had spent on, I knew that it was going to work out. I just had to act on it. And so it gives you that ability to overcome the fear. But the longer that you stay in that mindset of, oh, I can do it on my own, I can figure it out on my own. Well, sure you can, but it took someone else 10 years to figure it out. And it could take you you know, 10 weeks of working with that person to be able to learn, you know, the 80, 20 of what it is that you need to actually start applying in your life. And so I really appreciate you sharing that because so many people get caught up in the fear of, oh, if I spend the thousand dollars or the $20,000, like what's going to happen? Well, what's going to happen is that if you actually learn something and apply it, you're going to double or triple or 10x the return you're going to get. And so you've got to go do it. It's like a no-brainer, but you've got to start adopting those values first to believing that you're the kind of person who goes and gets that education to actually start applying it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I know it's sometimes, you know, now being on the other side of it, when people like go back and forth and they don't know what to do and they're worried about investing this thousand dollars. And it's like in the time that you've spent in indecision, you could have made that back by now, but it's, it does take a while and it does take some time to adapt that mindset. So I try to be like patient with it and sympathetic because I know how it is, but I feel exactly the same way. Nothing for me really. It's like, you could do it on your own, but why would you want to? You could accomplish so much more by literally masterminding, like, taking the experience and intelligence and the education of so many others and infusing it together, your business is going to be on a whole different level. And there's an energy that ends up coming up within these communities, even if it's just 100% online, where you're like learning and you know someone else is going to do it, someone else is commenting on the challenge they're dealing with, and you're like, wow, I too have been through that, or I'm feeling that right now, let me help this person along. And it ends up creating like an engine that keeps you going forward during those times where you're like, you know what? I want to give up, but you can't. Totally, but you can't. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about how you define success and what is success to you? You know, since the world that I live in now and the business I have now is still kind of born out of that vision that I had since I was younger, for me, success has always been very holistic. And I have never been shy about, you know, wanting to make a lot of money, enjoying money, like, I don't hold back. And I know that that I've gotten some nasty comments about that, but I just don't think that we need any more women who are holding back on the fact that they can make money. So I don't, but it is all for the bigger purpose, which is like, I always tell my clients, we're building a business to support your life. We're not building your life to support your business. That's what nine to five jobs are. <laughs> and we don't want to do that. So it's always just been about trying to find the balance between having your personal life the way you want it, having health the way you want it, having your business be the way you want and having the finances be the way you want. And I don't think any of it ever is ever in perfect balance for me. I never, there's always something of the four or whatever that I could be improving on, but that's always the big picture. And I'm always kind of trying to focus on all of them. And one of the things I'm proud of in having built my business is that like, yes, I've, you know, I've hustled like crazy. And I'm sure you feel like that sometimes you just feel like people in your life have absolutely no clue what you've actually gone through to get to this point. And I can feel like that, but I have never sacrificed fully 
the things that really matter to me. I've, I've never been one of those people that like just didn't work out because they were building their business or just ate takeout because they were building their business or, and I'm not trying to shame that at all. But my point is I have kept a lot of the things that I very much value alive while building this, even though that's not always the easiest thing. And sometimes people tell you not to do it, but at the end of the day, what's the point of building your own business if you're not going to do it the way you want to do it? Yeah, it's absolutely, absolutely so true. And you know what? People get caught up on this whole idea about money and really like making a lot of money is a phenomenal thing and making a lot of money. It just can't be for the goal of making a lot of money at the baseline of it. I know you know this, but for our listeners, the baseline of it, it's got to be about what the money is going to do for you. And so there's nothing wrong with being ultra wealthy. I mean, honestly, we should all want to be ultra wealthy so we can go do great things in the world and have a lot of fun because it's a little bit easier to do big things when you got money than if you don't have any money. I don't think anyone can really disagree with that. So I love that. And with that definition of success in mind, do you feel successful? Yeah, I do feel successful. I feel like I am living in alignment with what I thought I would be younger than I thought I would when I was younger. So I feel that I'm successful because I've stayed true to the things that have mattered to me the most throughout this process. I, just like I'm sure every entrepreneur, struggle sometimes with living in the present versus always thinking about what more I could do, what I could do next, how much bigger I could be. But yes, I do feel successful. And I have had moments in this journey, especially in the last year, where I have noticed myself feeling arrived. I don't know why, but that's the word that came to me. Like I arrived to the destination I was working toward. And I never felt that at any other point in my life. I always kind of felt like that shark that was like, okay, get into NYU, get into a different school, get this job, make this money. Like what's next, what's next, what's next? And it's been very pleasantly surprising to get to a place where by no means am I stagnant, but having the actual emotion come up that something in me says, you know, you're, you're here, you're here. That's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. So tell me, what are some of the keystone habits, the things that you do on a daily or weekly basis that help you kind of on this journey towards living a great life? What an amazing question. I just did a podcast episode myself on this this week. So I happen to have a lot of them (laughs) in my back pocket and I will not obviously go into everything I did on a whole episode, but I kind of divided it up into three things. And the king is mindset 100%. So always thinking about what you can do to keep your mindset strong. And, you know, I went through something pretty unfortunate in the thick of building my business. I suddenly lost my dad, which was hugely traumatic. And one of the blessings, I don't like to say silver linings because it's not obviously a silver lining that he's gone. Of course. And a blessing that has come is that I had to learn to stay motivated even in the darkest of times. And that has served me because I, I always think like if I can get through that and having kept build my business during that time, then there's really nothing that I feel like I, I can't handle now. So from a mindset perspective, the things I've learned since that time that I do daily and they all kind of get down to the same point is I read Jesus Calling every morning. I'm, I grew up Catholic and I like the interpretation of that of the Bible from that book. I also write down my wins from the day every single night. And I think that this is probably the most helpful thing that I tell all my new entrepreneurs to do because at the end of the day, what I think makes a good entrepreneur versus someone who might not make it, like obviously there's a million factors that could go into it. But if we boil it down, it's who focuses on the challenges versus who focuses on the wins. It's who focuses on the 
obstacles versus who focuses on the opportunities. Because at any moment, at any stage in business, for any of us, they're all both there. Business isn't necessary. I mean, some parts of business might be easier for some people naturally than others. But for the most part, we all have the same amount you know, of challenges. We all have challenges and they never go away. I want to say very clearly, things do get easier, but then things get equally harder in other ways. You know, new things come up. And so you just have to choose and honestly rewire your subconscious mind to have the optimistic view be your default. Otherwise, you will get trapped. You will get stuck. You will get knocked down for hours, days, sometimes even a week if you are really hung up on an obstacle. And so that has been a small thing that has really helped retrain my brain to look at the wins every day instead of the failures and also sleep better because I found in the beginning of my business really ramping up, you know, it was so easy to just lay your head down at night and think of all the other things you could be doing. So to really instead reflect on all the things you did, I found really seals my day. And I also am just very intentional about scheduling the day and, and I have a gratitude journal. In terms of keeping me as efficient as possible, I do have some kind of nutrition and personal health and mental health and physical health things that I'm pretty religious about. I work out I work out every day, but I want to be cautious saying that. I don't run on the treadmill every day. I don't lift weights every day. Sometimes I do a restorative yoga class where I like literally just go lay there for an hour and a half. But I work from home, so I get out of my house and I go and do something active every day. No excuses. I learned that from my dad from the book Younger Next Year, and it has stuck with me my whole life. I don't eat gluten. I don't eat sugar. I find that those bring a crash for me energy-wise. So I'm always thinking about how to keep my energy high. I make sure I sleep eight hours a night. I get up early. And I'm not like trying to say that these are the best ways to be productive, but I do think it's very important to find what makes each individual person the most productive because as you know, building a business is all hands on deck. (laughs) You don't have time to be tired. (laughs) No, for sure. I mean, food as fuel is a crazy concept if you talk to me five years ago, but in reality, like if we're putting a bunch of crap into our body, you know, gluten and sugar and all these dairy and these things that really don't maybe jive well with some of us it ends up giving us the opportunity to crash instead of being able to stay consistent going forward. So I definitely appreciate that. So we've made it to the growth rapid fire round where the questions are quick, but the answers don't need to be. So tell me, what is a book that's impacted your life the most or one you're excited about right now? The book that's impacted my life the most is The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Waddles. It changed my financial reality and I still reread it about once a month. Once a month. See, you guys, repetition is the mother of learning. And we need to be putting our time into, you know, going back through. I go through The Go-Giver, The One Thing, a couple other books over and over again. Not every month, but I love that you do that. I'm going to actually have to add that to my list. We got to go back through and do it. My suggestion is get it on Audible because then you can, it's a quick book and you can just kind of listen to it over a day or two. So from an inspiration standpoint, what impact have mentors made on your life? And how do you look at going out and finding great mentors? Oh my gosh. Well, mentors show you what's possible. And that's why it's also so important for us as entrepreneurs to share our story, which is why I love so much your podcast, because you bring that to light. And I think that mentors from the beginning gave me permission to think about what could be different and possible for me. So permission has been a big thing. And then from there, they teach you possibility and just showing you things that you maybe never have seen before. Maybe you have it in your nine to five job. And then I think one of the really fun things about mentors that you find out later on, usually after, you know, six or multiple six figures is you really just gain a whole new respect for them because you realize how hard they've worked and you don't really realize it from the outside until you've kind of been in the thick of it yourself. 
So I, I would say those three stages of permission, possibility, and respect have been, they keep me going. Hmm. That's beautiful. That's so good. And finally, from a purpose perspective, what drives you to live your best life every single day? Definitely being my dad's daughter and doing things that I hope would make him proud and trying to carry on the legacy that he left for my sisters and I. And I'm a newlywed. So also just thinking about the life that I'm now creating with my husband. And I'm also religious. And I really think that God puts us here. I think our divine assignment, all of us, and this is from the science of getting rich, is to make the most of ourselves. I don't think it's to be self-sacrificing. I don't think it's to struggle. I don't think it's to feel guilty if you splurge on something. I think it is to be the most positive, radiant version of yourself so that you can give people hope and optimism. And we do that by living in alignment. And so that's going to mean something different for everyone. And that's what's exciting about it. But really taking care of yourself so that you can be hopeful and you can be positive and you can do what I think we're here to do is a huge motivator to me. That is so beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being here. Where can people find out more about you or get in touch? You can find my website, urban20something.com with the number 20. It's not spelled out. And I'm also pretty active on Instagram. It is the same handle at urban20something. And if you want to shoot us an email, we're at help at urban20something.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I also have a kind of case study of how my side hustle got off the ground. If you are interested in that, it's on the very front page of my website. Totally free to download and it'll give you some behind the scenes. Wonderful. And we'll include links to all that in the show notes. So thank you so much, Leah, for being with us. This was beautiful. And thank you for inspiring us all to live a better life every day. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. And thanks for all you do. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level. Got something amazing to share with you. Of course, all of you guys know the Mindset Members Club is live and we have an incredible community of phenomenal real estate investors of varying levels from people who are just getting started to people who have been flipping, wholesaling, multifamily, doing big deals, making big money, who are in this community because they want to really take their life to the whole nother level. You know, majority of our members, the reason that they're joining is because they want to go from point A to point B as quickly as possible. They want to compress decades into days. They want to learn from other people's experience. But most importantly, they want to take action. They want to start applying the things that they're learning on this podcast right here and so many other places where they're learning all this material, but they're not actually putting anything into practice. And the most important part about education is actually applying it. You know, going out and reading a book but not applying anything in your life is a waste of time. And I straight up encourage you to stop listening to podcasts if you're not ready to actually start acting. You know, that's a challenge. Maybe I'm gonna lose some listeners, but what I promise you is I'm gonna attract the kind of people who I wanna spend more time with, the kind of people who are ready to step up their game and join the Mindset Members Club, but most importantly, the kind of people who are ready to take action. You know, that's what this group is all about. It's about learning with other incredible people 
spending time networking in a phenomenal community, building accountability, but most importantly, it's about taking action and applying. And we've set up the curriculum in such a way that people are actually doing the work, right? And it's such a big thing. If you've ever thought, hey, I know what to do, but for some reason I'm not doing it, or I'm making some pretty good money, but I wanna take it to another level, then I encourage you to join us. You know, of course, in the Mindset Members Club, we have an incredible coach, Trevor McGregor, former Tony Robbins, platinum master coach, over 25,000 hours of coaching experience, coaching millionaires and billionaires, Fortune 500 CEOs, and some of the top real estate brass you know, in our industry. And of course, you get to spend time with me, real estate investor, entrepreneur, mindset expert. I have you know, bought and flipped over 200 houses in the last three years, wholesaled, and have built an incredible team and I'm an absolute expert when it comes to going out and figuring out how to find deals and how to get you to actually start taking action and doing the things that are most important. So regardless of where you're at in your real estate journey, and I encourage you to head over to the investormindset.com slash members and consider joining the Mindset Members Club because we are ready to take action and we are looking for more people who are ready to step it up together. So I look forward to seeing you guys in there.